Today on episode number 437 of the School of Podcasting's Morning Announcements, which you can find at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 437, we have a really cool Because of My Podcast story. We've got an interview with the one and only Kate Erickson from Kate's Take and Entrepreneur on Fire. We're going to talk about what is the best choice for voicemail for your podcast. And towards the end of the show, I'm going to waste about five minutes of your time. It's interesting. I'm going to be launching. Can you, can you put up air quotes for me right now? I'm launching a new podcast. Not really. It's a joke. You'll see. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Oh, podcasting since 2005. I am your very own personal. And by that mean, I mean like friendly, like Casper. <laughs> Everybody under 30 is like, who's Casper? Uh, personal podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. This is where we talk about all things podcasting from uh, planning to promoting, massaging your story for maximum impact as I tackle the technology. Our website is schoolofpodcasting.com. And if you go over there and use the coupon code LISTENER, L-A-S-T-E-N-E-R, you can save on your first month. And uh, if you're new to the show, this is where we like to, uh, you know, start off with a little news or a little insights, little stories, things like that. And uh, one of my favorite people on the planet is Ken Blanchard from uh, BlanchardMedia.com. You can also find him, Black Man with a Gun. Uh, I was telling Ken that uh, he was the subject. He came up at our Cleveland Podcasters group. Speaking of that, got to give a big shout out to my buddy, uh, Philip Keller, BlindFaithLive.com. He got the pizza at uh, this month's Cleveland Podcasters Meetup. And uh, Phil, we're going to talk about Phil a little later too, but um, Phil does a show and his tagline is Real People, Real Miracles. And you got to check it out over at blindfaithlive.com. Phil, thanks so much for the pizza. And uh, we had fun because um, at the Cleveland Podcasters Meetup, um, we had a really big windstorm and uh, we were losing power left and right. It was kind of fun. And Philip was in a... Uh, a neighborhood that had power. So hence he brought the pizza and uh, we were talking about Ken Blanchard getting back to uh, Ken here because Phil said, man, that is the best name ever black man with a gun. And I said, Oh, this dude is so cool. And uh, he's had, we've talked about Ken in the past and uh, he's uh, one week he co-hosted with me on ask the podcast coach. And uh, here is uh, Ken with a, because of my podcast story. And next week I'm going to find the answer to this. If you upgrade to the latest version of GarageBand on a Mac, one of the default settings apparently is a reverb because I know I got a, a clip from Gary Leland who had it turned on. So Ken sounds a little bit like he's in a cave, which is kind of cool, uh, but not typically used in, in podcasting. But uh, he had just upgraded and uh, he sounds, you know what? Ken sounds good no matter what he's doing. Here is uh, a great because of my podcast story. Hey, Brother David, this is your friend and your brother from another mother, Ken Blanchard, host of the Black Man with a Gun Show and a couple of others that you can find at BlanchardMediaGroup.com. That is BlanchardMediaGroup.com. Now, you know, I love podcasting. And just the other day, I received a MacBook Pro from one of my fans who heard that I had been having computer problems. And I had been saying that, you know, if anything happens, there'll be a break in service, a break in my broadcasting, a break in my communication and folks didn't want to have that 
Now, I know a lot of podcasters today are out to make bucks. And nothing that I have tried, for the most part, has done that. But what I have been doing with great success is serving people. I've been using my four podcasts as a ministry. I'm the guy they can call, they can email, they can tweet. And I'll do the normal social media stuff, but also I'm the pastor of Patriots, Pistoleros, and Paladins, all those who believe in the right to keep and bear arms, those who believe in our nation. They read my stuff and they listen to me. And when I have problems, they help. I have a strong, strong community. My whole studio has been um, actually paid for by most of my listeners. Still can't buy a sandwich, but I do have my equipment. So the show will continue to go on regardless of whether I have a real job or not. But that's the deal. Hope that makes sense to you. Um, my computer, almost every piece of gear I have in here has been donated or the funds have been sent to me so I can get it. And because of that, they keep me working. I owe them. I owe my listeners. I owe my family to be the inspirer, the encourager, the one who can lift them up on a bad day. So since the gear belongs to my community, I'm working. Can't pay my mortgage with this stuff, but I can definitely get out a couple of good podcasts. There you go. And right now, I am broadcasting from garage, using GarageBand for the first time, the newest GarageBand, a little bit different from what I had on my old Mac. So I got a learning curve as I change all the settings and get some new gear to make all this stuff work. That's always fun. Well, brother, thank you for letting me blab. Remember that life is short. Smile while you still have teeth. <laughs> Shalom, baby. Shalom, baby. <laughs> uh, that's why I love Ken Blanchard. Always makes me laugh. Good guy. And um, speaking of podcast monetization, my buddy Paul Culligan over at the podcastreport.com slash 24. I'll put a link to this out in the show notes, which you can find at schoolpodcasting.com slash 437. Says, here's the deal. It's market plus message plus money, plus media. That is the only formula. And I think part of it is the fact that it is your market. I mean, I've done a podcast for musicians, you know, the people that are starving artists, and uh, there's a reason why they call them starving artists because uh, they got no money. And I haven't made a whole lot of, uh, I don't do that show for the money, but I haven't actually made any there. And, and for the record, let's say this right up front. You don't have to make money with your podcast. Uh, I think it was... Uh, we're going to be quoting Rob Walsh a lot today. And uh, one of my favorite Rob Walsh uh, settings or, or sayings was, you usually don't walk up to the guy that's doing the, uh, like the, he's flying the, the airplane in the areas, like one of those remote controlled airplanes that are really, really expensive. And go, so uh, how much money are you making with that plane? It's, it's a hobby. You do it for fun. It's allowed to do that. But if you think about that, can, I mean, a MacBook Pro, a cheap one. You're looking at, according to, I just did a quick Google search, $979. No, $929 is the cheapest one that I see here just doing a quick Google search. That's awesome. So, again, I always say it's, you don't always, you know, it's, it'd be great because it's hard to buy groceries, you know, with some of the stuff you get for free from people. But it is, it's a, it's an honor and you know, there is, again, the heart of a servant. And uh, 
he's making a difference. And that's uh, that's awesome. So Ken, thank you so much for for sharing that. If you have that, it's simply it's a one question answer. It's a one question answer. That's not right. It's a one question survey, and that is because of my podcast blank. Because of my podcast blank. And if you can answer that, go ahead and just uh, you can go over to schoolpodcasting.com slash contact, and uh, that'll get you all the different ways you can contact me. And one of the ways you can do that is via voicemail. And that's what I want to talk about right now. And somebody had asked me, and I apologize. Man, do I really apologize on this. I'm going to do one more choice here. I'm going to do a search here in my email inbox. Um, yeah, cannot find. Yeah, I cannot find who sent me the original question. So I deeply apologize to whoever it is. Because usually I flag it. I, I tag it as next podcast, things like that. But they asked, like, what's the best voicemail system? for your podcast. And so I've, I use the three that I do. There are a couple free services, um, but let's just play these back to back. And what I did was I used my wife's phone and I called from my kitchen so that every single call had the exact same input. And here's the one, uh, I call them podcastvoicemail.com. That's my affiliate link. Uh, they're called call eight. And uh, this is what it sounds like when you use uh, their service. All right, this is the uh, call8podcastvoicemail.com message called from my wife's phone. And that, to me, is barely the definition of listenable, right? That's pretty, like, you know, it instantly sounds like you've got a bunch of fans in the background or a really upset cat. Uh, so let's go over to Google Voice. Google Voice is free, and it sounds like this. This is an example of the Google voicemail uh, called from my wife's phone. Now, I use a system on Saturday morning to take call-ins. Uh, I use a couple different things. I'm not going to get into that there. But one of the pieces of the puzzle is Magic Jack. Now, Magic Jack is $35 a year, and it sounds like this. And this is the Magic Jack voicemail called from my wife's phone. And you'll see there that, number one, it doesn't matter what you're using. Uh, call eight, by the way, $5 a month and six cents a minute per caller. So I've never had a bill over $10. Usually it's, you know, $5 and some change. I took this into Adobe Audition and said, use their noise removal tool and only use it at 50% because when you use it at 100%, it makes it sound like you're underwater. And this is what I came up with. All right, this is the... So you can hear where it's kind of reduced the, the hiss versus... All right, this is the uh, call eight. But that still doesn't sound as good as... And this is the magic jack. And, and what's weird, so you're like, okay, Dave, so are you going to dump... Call eight. Are you going to quit using podcastvoicemail.com? And my answer is, well, I can't now to a certain extent because I've been saying 888-563-3228. I used to say that a lot more in the past. And I say it now because many of you are listening on a smartphone. And if you're listening on the podcasts app, you can uh, click on that and uh, just leave me a voicemail that way. I actually dug into the files and here's the big reason why. And we're going to get kind of geeky here. But there was a thing called sample rate. That is how many times they took a picture of your voice per second. 
and Call 8 does it 11,000 times. Google Voice does it 11,000 times. And Magic Jack only does it 8,000 times. We could get more and more into this, but here's the big thing. Bit depth, which we're not going to get into, just here's the big thing. Google Voice and Magic Jack do 16-bit bit depth. Everybody's mono. Call 8 does 8. So that is, again, it involves with how it takes a picture of your voice. And Call 8 is doing it half as much, which is why it sounds worse. Now, what's interesting is when it actually produces the file, uh, call, a Magic Jack is at 13 kilobits per second. Now, for the record, I usually say CD quality is 64, and we're at 13. Yeah. Uh, Google Voice, 16. Also, these are highly compressed in these cases. These are actually WAV files, but they're just, you know, they, they, they've only been taking X amount of pictures per second. Now, for the record, CD quality would be 44,000 times a second. They would sample your audio. And now what's weird is the Call 8 system actually produces a file at 88 kilobits per second, which is, you know, seven times more, six or seven times more than the other two. But because when they captured the file, they did half as much, it doesn't sound as good. So you would say, okay, well then who would you pick then? Would you pick Google Voice or Magic Jack? And this is that weird thing I have. Now, can I use a Google Voice? I have a Google Voice number. I use it all the time. I don't know that I want to put my faith in Google. It's just a weird thing of mine. This is my opinion now. And here's the thing that could happen. Google has taken many, many different services that were free off the market. When you go to Google, Google the phrase Google Graveyard. You'll be amazed at how many things they have killed. And so I don't want to put out, start a podcast have 37 episodes out where I've been giving out this phone number to call me. And then Google goes, yeah, we're doing away with that. We're not making any money with it. That, now, could that happen? Yeah. Could it not happen? Yeah. I don't know. And that's the problem. I don't know. Where I do know that I'm giving Magic Jack $35 a year. And could they go away? Well, in theory, they shouldn't because I'm giving them money. I'm paying for their service. And the other cool thing is, if you want, you can use Magic Jack as a phone like an actual other phone line if you wanted to. Um, Google Voice, well, I guess you could. You can redirect them to anything. But, uh, yeah, so for me, yeah, I, I am sticking with my Magic Deck number for uh, the Ask the Podcast Coach. But now, for the record, if you guys ever wonder about my integrity, look, if I tell you to go to Call 8, if I tell you to go to podcastvoicemail.com, you're going to, I, I'm going to profit from that. Not very much. I earn whatever, a small percentage of the sale. Uh, but right now I would say, you know, I think the better choice would be Magic Jack. Now, the one thing I dislike about Magic Jack is when you go into their website where you kind of configure your number, it doesn't, there's no like go right to voicemail. You have voicemail on or off. And then it's, you know, how many seconds? So I have people waiting five seconds to go to voicemail, which is kind of long, which is fine because I don't have anybody calling this number. I use this number strictly to call out on Saturday morning. But if I was using it for voicemail, 
people would have to wait a bit to get to the actual voicemail. So those are three options there. I know other people have used a service called K7, which you can find at K7.net. It's another free service. And the reason I don't like this, I've known people this has happened, where if you don't receive a phone call within 30 days, you lose your number. Where Google Voice, it's free, and you don't have to get calls to lose your number. You just pray that Google doesn't cancel your number. So those are some options. Really, the bottom line, and of course, there's always SpeakPipe. Now, SpeakPipe is not a phone. It's a way for people to leave you messages on your website if they have a microphone. And that is my preferred way because it sounds the best. But it's always good to give people whatever form they want, whether it's an email address, a phone number, or something like SpeakPipe. Make it easy for people to contact you. Wishing you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I was so happy that uh, Kate Erickson agreed to be interviewed on the show. And uh, if you're new to podcasting, there's a name that you will hear over and over and over. And that name is John Lee Dumas. And he runs a podcast called Entrepreneur on Fire. You can find it at eofire.com. And in a nutshell, uh, John can, he's, he's on track to do about $2 million this year. John makes more in a month than I do um, for probably for five years. I mean, maybe not five years, but, you know, he makes a lot of money. And I just wanted to say something here up front because we're talking a little Entrepreneur on Fire. And this is from the recent Pottertainment magazine. Now, if you've never got Pottertainment magazine, go to schoolpodcasting.com slash Pottertainment. That's P-O-D-ertainment. <laughs> and this has, you've heard me talk about uh, Tim from Lead Pages. His video is in there. You've got a great article from uh, Jen from She Podcast. There's a great article in there from Rob Greenlee. There's an article from me. And there's an article from Rob Walsh, who is the vice president of podcast relations called A Rope in the Garage. And I'm going to give you a couple quick quotes here from this. It says, um, about 8% of all episodes released, this is on Libsyn.com, that reach the 5,000 download threshold. Only about about 8% of all episodes released reach 5,000 downloads. Now, why is that so special? Because about uh, 5,000 downloads is typically the minimum number that many advertisers need to even look at your show. Now, for the record, there are other advertisers that that don't need that, but for the biggies at least. Uh, And it says, even if you reach that number, you're still not talking about quitting your day job. Rob states, uh, realistically, less than 5% of podcasters even make enough from their podcast to even cover their cost. Uh, And less than 1% can call podcasting their main career or in this case uh, above that I talked about uh, an alternative uh, <laughs> that's better than the rope in the garage. It's actually, uh, and that's why I love that article. Uh, Rob has a, a, a bizarre, he's got a good sense of humor. And uh, so I thought it was funny and I wanted to share that with you because as we talk about entrepreneur and fire, you're going to hear again about the dedication and the hard work that and the talent let's not take away john lee dumas you're never going to out john lee dumas john lee dumas uh 
because it comes to him naturally. And so when I went over their site and saw that Kate had a podcast and I started listening to it here again, what got me sucked in wasn't the fact that it was, you know, uh, an entrepreneur on, it was the behind the scenes stuff. And to me, behind the scenes stories, behind the scenes information, information that you can't get anyplace else uh, is always great. And so you'll hear here that she started off as a, she was doing a blog for Entrepreneur on Fire. And another great stat from Rob Walsh is that the ratio to blogging to podcast is about 1950 to one. So what does that mean, Dave? Let's say you go to, to a Vegas, right? You go to New Media Expo, you walk into one of the big halls and there's 2,000 people, roughly 1950-ish, right? But let's just call it 2,000 people. And you walk in, wow, there's 2,000, not, not 20, not 200, 2,000 people. Think about that a second. 2,000 people. Then you go over and you walk into the next room. Now, that room, by the way, is filled with bloggers. Now, walk a little bit down the hall. So go out, turn left. Okay, turn left again. Now you're going into the, the other room, and guess what? You're the only person in there. Now, the people in the other room, the 2,000 people, all had blogs on your topic. Now, if you go in the other room where you're the only person, you're the only podcaster on that subject. So which one is going to be easier to be found? Exactly. So that's one of the reasons why if you're a blogger and you've been thinking like, mm, should I take this and turn it into a podcast? Yes. Pat Flynn has said he grew his audience by 20%. He says most people now that come up to him, Pat Flynn of smartpassiveincome.com has said they come up and say, Pat, I love the podcast. He goes, he rarely has somebody come up and say, man, I love your blog. And so here Kate is she was writing a blog and decided, hey, I'm going to take this and turn it into what she's calling an audio blog. And you'll hear how that's working. So check it out. Here's my interview with Kate Erickson from Entrepreneur on Fire. And, of course, the Kate's Take podcast. I even love the name. Hey, it's like, well, you know, she's back there working hard. She's writing stuff. What's her take on all this stuff? Well, that's what the podcast is about. It's kind of the behind the scenes of Entrepreneur on Fire. And here's my interview. Just so you know. This podcast, this interview was recorded uh, minutes before the Cleveland meetup. I did this with no um, mixer. I did this. I took the headphone out of the Audio-Technica 2100. I put it into the line in of the Roland R-05. I then adjusted the volume of myself and Kate via Skype. There was no mixer used and almost no computer. Obviously, there's a computer because I had to connect via Skype, but... A very simple thing, and um, I was out on the road and knew I wasn't going to be able to get back to my studio, so I just grabbed my RO5 and a cable with a male-to-male end on it, plugged my headphones into the R-05, hit record, adjusted my volumes in Skype, and this is what I got. One of the things I've been doing lately is telling people about podcasts that I really like, and you guys know I'm a big fan of John Lee Dumas, been a, a listener, been a guest on uh, Entrepreneur on Fire many moons ago. And uh, all of a sudden I was over at the site and I saw Kate's take. And I'm like, what is a Kate's take? And uh, checked it out and I just love your show. It was awesome. And there are certain ingredients that I say always work. And, and some of those is, you know, information that you can't get someplace else. And anytime you can do like behind the scenes stuff, it's awesome. And that's really what Kate's take, in my opinion, is all about. So, Kate Erickson, thank you so much for coming on the show. 
Dave, I am super flattered. Thank you so much for that intro. And I'm glad that you're enjoying Kate's take. Yeah, it, it actually started off the first, how many first episodes, what was it, 16? Was you going over a kind of an outline, you called it the fire path. And that really sucked me in. So let's go back a little further. What inspired the, the birth of Kate's take? So the birth of Kate's Take was really, I'm the content creator at Entrepreneur on Fire. And so I publish our blog among a lot of other content that I publish. But the blog has really kind of been like my baby since I came on board with John. And so, you know, I pour my heart and soul into these blog posts. And it was kind of starting to weigh on me more and more, maybe like a year after I started publishing on the blog. I was feeling like I was putting so much of myself into these posts and into this content that I was writing, but I didn't feel like I was reaching the amount of people that I really wanted to reach with it. So, you know, quickly and shortly to say, I thought that launching Kate's Take, which is the Entrepreneur on Fire audio blog, was my way to leverage that content and potentially reach a whole new audience, which, you know, I've found now that I'm definitely doing that. Yeah. So you, you call it an audio blog. What's What would you say is the difference between a podcast and an audio blog, or is there a difference? You know, I honestly don't think that there's too big of a difference. I mean, it's definitely consumed in the same way in terms of going to iTunes or Stitcher Radio and downloading it. You're getting on-demand content. Um, you're listening to it when and where you'd like to. I would say the only difference, I mean, for me, at least with Kate's Take, is that I'm actually diving back into a library of content I've already created. So in that respect, I feel like my launch has been probably a lot easier and smoother than, say, somebody starting a podcast from square one, where they're literally coming up with their topic and their idea and defining their avatar from the very start. There's probably a lot more. Well, I know there's a lot more that goes into that, especially if you're doing an interview-based podcast to really prepare yourself for a successful launch. Now, are you actually reading the blog post as you do that? Or is it just kind of you're using that as a basis of the episode and you're kind of using it as a, a, a kind of a basement? You're starting there and just kind of going off the top of your head or? You know, I've gone back and forth with that. And I feel like I'm getting a lot of audience feedback, which I'm very keen on listening to. And a lot of people are telling me that the episodes that they listen to when I don't read the post word for word are their favorite ones. And something that I tried to do with the audio blog as a way to get more listeners is I tell people that if you listen to the audio blog, you're probably going to get some more just like off the cuff stories and experiences that I share that might not necessarily be in the blog post. So I'm trying to get a little bit better about that and really just, you know, talk off the cuff more. But you will hear a lot of episodes where I am literally reading word for word. Well, that's when you first started it and you, you know, you introduced it as an audio blog. I'm like, well, maybe it's because you're, you did a good job. It was, you were reading the post, but it wasn't quite so like just blatantly reading. I'm like, okay, I think she, it was one of those like, I think she's reading it. That's usually a good sign. If somebody goes, I think she is, but you still had enough voice inflection. It wasn't boring. And it was, again, the content really sucked me in. And I thought, well, that's kind of a cool way. It's kind of a, to me, there's blog where you just, you're, you're reading it yourself. Then there's podcast, which is kind of taking a topic and, and just going off the top of your head. And then audio blog is kind of a mix between the two. And uh, I was like, wow, this is a really cool way. And especially for somebody who's, who like yourself is a blogger, and you're not sure if you're if you have the confidence to to be a podcaster. Why not go right in the middle and combine the the two of your blog and your your podcast? And I was going to ask you describe your feelings like on your first episode because you've talked about how like when you've been asked to speak and things like that that you were just really nervous. So what were your feelings when you when you did the first episode? 
Well, I love kind of your segue into this, Dave, because I was freaked out when I recorded my first episode. And I have to admit, I did not practice what I preach. I tell people that the time to start is yesterday. You can't be a perfectionist. But unfortunately, I suffer from that. I am such a perfectionist. And when I recorded my first episode, I'm going to admit that I probably recorded it about four or five times because I just, I didn't feel like it was right. I mean, I even switched up. I kind of had an outline for myself, especially my intro episode where I was really trying to get, give people a chance to get to know me and get to know why the reasons behind me starting Kate's Take. And I probably switched it up three, four times before I actually hit publish. So I was very nervous. I was not that confident. Um, definitely more confident than I'd say I was a year ago, but uh, still not at the point where I feel like I am today. Yeah, that was one of the things. Another great ingredient of your show is you've explained how there are times when you've kind of been thrown into situations. Uh, the one where John couldn't make the webinar and you're kind of like, what? I got to, you know, and how scared you were and how nervous you were. But yet you overcame your fear. And that was, to me, uh, another great ingredient of the fact that it's not just you saying, here's what to do and here's what works. You're actually showing you're kind of being vulnerable to your audience. And I was like, man, this is just really good stuff. And uh, yeah, so I, I had a feeling you were smidge nervous on the first episode. Now, how do you feel now? Because like your last episode, uh, when you've been talking lately, you've been talking about hiring a virtual assistant and some other things. I think even the one before that, it seems like you are doing more kind of off the top of your head, like you said, with an outline. Is that kind of how those are going or... Exactly. And, you know, comparing myself now when I get on the mic and I record an episode compared to when I was recording episodes in the very beginning, you know, I think I've finally come to an appreciation for the knowledge and the experience that I have. Whereas before, I was feeling like, okay, yeah, I have this experience and I have this knowledge, but like, is it good enough? I mean, I, I honestly didn't know if people would want to learn that stuff for me. I didn't know if people were going to resonate with my experiences, like the webinar one that you just mentioned. And I very quickly found after launching the podcast, and I'd even heard it, you know, a little bit through the blog, that people love hearing those stories because it's exactly what they're going through right now, too. Yeah, it was it was awesome. And I was to me, I just heard I'm like, wow, this is just great stuff. And it was just I was ready for the next episode. I'm like, all right, cool. Let's see what happens next. So you are doing things you're trying. It sounds like you're trying new things all the time. And in one episode you mentioned about asking for reviews. And I expected it to go, you know, always wait till the end because the the last person that listens to the end is a true this and that. And expand a little bit on your take on asking for iTunes reviews. Yeah, I love that how you were kind of like calculating and trying to guess what was coming because I don't think that very many listeners would have expected me to say that. Mm -hmm. um, what I said and what I ended up saying was that you should not be asking for ratings and reviews on your podcast episodes. Now, I'm not saying that you should never bring it up. Like I really love how a lot of podcasters will kind of give shout outs to the people who have left them ratings, reviews like the week before. Because Dave, you've talked about this on your podcast before. People love getting shout outs. You know, they love to feel a part of something. And so I think that's a really unique way to not only uh, recognize those who are helping support your podcast, but also to kind of have other people say like, hey, that would be kind of cool to get my name read on a podcast too. Like, you know, it might be a little extra push for somebody to go leave that rating and review. But my whole perspective behind not having that be your main call to action is that I feel like a lot of people leverage podcasts as consumers because they can do it 
anytime they want. And they don't have to not be doing something else in order to listen to a podcast episode. So if you think about what that means, it probably means that people are on a jog or they're driving in their car. They're not necessarily listening to your podcast when they're sitting down in front of their computer where they have easy access to head over to iTunes and leave you a rating and review. So my perspective is that your call to action on your podcast episodes should always be directing people back to your home base, which is your website, because then you can get them to do, you know, a whole number of things, mainly see what else you have to offer. Yeah, I thought it was just great advice because I was when you said that, I was like, you know, that really makes total sense because once you get them back to the website, they're one click away from pretty much a lot of different call to actions. Then they can maybe sign up for your newsletter. They can review you. They can do whatever you want. But really step one is you got to get them back to the website. And when you said that, I was just kind of like where you kind of slap your forehead. I'm like, man, that makes so much sense because we do at times give them so many calls to action that they just get confused on what to do and they end up probably doing nothing. And I was like, that just makes so much sense to get them back to the website. And then from there, like you said, your content has already kind of brought them in. And if you give them a big button that says subscribe right here, uh, that makes life uh, a whole lot easier. So you guys have been doing, how long have you guys have been doing Entrepreneur on Fire? It's been about a year and a half. Wow. Over two years now. John launched September 2012. Gosh, it always blows my mind when I actually <laughs> think about the time. Um, so a little over two years now. Wow. Now, what does an average day look like for you, which is interesting because you've been doing a lot of episodes now about having a virtual assistant. So you might want to split this up. What was a day like, you know, two years ago? And now what is a day like for you now that you've been using virtual assistants? Wow. So two years ago was pretty chaotic. I didn't really have a schedule set for myself. Um, I was probably juggling a number of things, not really knowing how to prioritize and uh, therefore not being very productive. But, you know, I kind of waded through all of that and learned, you know, through just experience and doing it that I was going to have to get a schedule straight like real fast. And so before, whereas my day might have looked like I was doing a podcast episode and a blog and then I was jumping in the email newsletter and then I'm going into, you know, like create some images and, and then I might dabble a little bit in like our affiliate program or something like that. Now my days are very structured in the respect that I have certain things that I do on Mondays that I don't do on Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. And I kind of carry my entire week like that. So like where Mondays might be my content creation day where I'm writing all day, then Tuesdays might be like my podcast day where I'm actually recording and editing. So I try to kind of focus my days on very specific topics or I don't know, what would you call that? Um, areas of the business, I guess. Yeah, it's and it's it goes back to one of the things that is always, uh, when I've talked to John in the past, and, and obviously you guys are, are cut from the same cloth, is just the discipline that it takes, especially when you're doing a daily show. When I talk with you now and, and John in the past, it's just the discipline you guys have and the organization. It's not something that's happening. Your success is not happening by accident. It's happening with a lot of hard work and a lot of dedication. And uh, it's amazing. That's one of the why I wanted to ask you, you know, what is your day like? Because I knew there had to be something that it's not like, well, we kind of wake up, we roll out of bed, we see what's going on. I'm like, I had a feeling that wasn't going to be the answer. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I always kind of chuckle a little bit when people ask us what our secret is to getting so much done in a day. And it's really about planning and scheduling appropriately. You know that it, of course, there's systems and a lot of other things that we've worked really hard to build over the last two years. But at its core, it's really about focusing on a single thing at a time. Yeah. John talks about his avatar, Jimmy, and it's amazing the detail that John can go into the detail of Jimmy, the avatar. What would you say to somebody who's who's brand new? How do you define Jimmy when you don't know who your audience is yet? That's a really interesting question. And I think a lot of people struggle with this when they're first starting out just because they're kind of lost in the sea of a million things they feel like they need to do right now. And they're not, again, it kind of goes back to that prioritization thing that I was talking about before. I think it's really tough when you're first starting out to really prioritize what's most important. I think your avatar is certainly one of the most important things that you can do to help build your foundation, whether it's for a podcast or an entire business. I think the best thing to do is once you kind of have your topic or your idea, you need to figure out what type of person needs that content from you. And once you're able to kind of discover the type of person that might need that content for you, you can start to go out to like online communities, to networking events, to places where you feel like the type of person who needs that content is hanging out so that you can start to get to know them. And that's really what John did. He said, you know, I want to interview inspiring and successful entrepreneurs and I want to do it seven days a week. Who might need that content? Now, in John's case, he was pretty lucky because he really was his avatar in the very beginning. But for him to really get down to the point where he was defining Jimmy on the level that he does, to your point, Dave, you know, he had to go out to online communities and find people who gave him the actual information and like those statistics that he uses to describe Jimmy. That's how he found out who his avatar was. And, you know, it's not something that's going to happen in a day or two days. You could start to map out who you think your avatar might be, but you're really only going to discover that over time as you start diving into these online communities and going to networking events and building relationships with those people who you think might be your avatar and then kind of like really figuring out if that's who is your avatar. This one I've been dying to ask. I wrote this one down. My first wife and I, hence why she's my first wife and I, worked in the same (laughs) place. And it was weird because we would actually end up at home not arguing about our relationship, but we'd be arguing about work. And, uh, you know, it sounds like you and John are just inseparable. How do you guys make that work? Oh. (laughs) How do you you balance the work and life? Or, I mean, is it... You know, is it is it just you guys never fight and he's <laughs> <laughs> how do you pull that off? Yeah, well, you know, we definitely have our fair share of arguments, but I think the reason that I would never say that John and I sit and fight is that we have a very strict and open line of communication where like if something is eating at one of us or, you know, if something is bothering us in the business or in our personal relationship, you know, we never hold on to that. We always are talking to each other about whatever it is that might be bothering us or, you know, if there's a project we're working on and one of us just doesn't feel quite right about it, um, that's definitely something that we'll talk about right away. But, you know, to your point about how how do we work together? How do we work together so well? And then how do we maintain a, you know, healthy personal relationship? We definitely have strict times that we turn business off. And I think that that's really important to do. And it's really hard to do because when you're working from home and you both are living together and you're in the same business, 
everything can kind of start to meld together and become one in the same. John's quote unquote recording studio is in our living room about two feet away from our couch. And so when we're sitting on the couch watching TV and having dinner or whatever it might be, you know, that work for John is two feet away from him. I mean, it's very tempting when you're passionate about what you do and you love your work to want to be doing that all the time. But John and I have set aside very specific times where we promise each other that we're going to shut business off so that we can spend time together, you know, as a couple. And I think that on the business side of things, John and I work together so incredibly well because we are exactly opposites. Wow. (laughs) And yeah, John is very much like a strategic, big ideas. Um, You know, he's a business, you know, master. He's just so good at envisioning things, coming up with really great ideas. He's the one that's going to jump and take that leap. He's the one that's not afraid to go out there and do something that nobody else is doing. He'd actually prefer that. Um, And for me, I'm very calculated. I like having a plan in place. I really like thinking things through. I'm definitely not going to be the first person to leap. So I think that we work really well together in that respect because when we strategize together on things for the business, which we do with everything for our business, I mean, anything that you see as coming out from Entrepreneur on Fire is something that John and I have sat down and worked together on in terms of like strategizing what it's going to be. And so I think that the reason we've been able to come up with, you know, products, communities, services, and all the content and everything that we do for Entrepreneur on Fire without killing each other is because both of us handle very different sides of that strategy. See, that's awesome. And a lot of people think if I'm going to get a co-host or a partner, I need to find someone who thinks just like me. And that's a classic example of actually that wouldn't work because then you'd all just be diving into everything with no strategy. And oh, yeah. It's nice to have that uh, the, the yin and yang effect here. If you had to do you know any of this again, you've been doing it two years. Obviously, uh, many things have worked very, very well for you guys. Anything you kind of look back and go, eh, if, if we could start this again tomorrow, you know, I might do this a little differently. If anything, it's always easier to say in hindsight. Yeah, I would have I would have started Kate's take sooner. I would have launched my book sooner. I, you know, it's all about just starting and not holding yourself back because you're scared of the results. Yeah, that's it. And and the trainer in me has to say the annoying phrase, which of course, they're not mistakes, they're learning opportunities. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, um, tell us a little bit the the thing that really kind of sucked me into uh, your podcast were the first, you know, episodes where you went through uh, the fire path. So tell us a little bit. So somebody's not familiar with the fire path. Explain a little bit about that. The fire path is, you know, our kind of tagline for that is where your passion and our guidance unite. And it's really about taking people back to the very, very core of your business. Whether you even have a business idea yet or not, the fire path walks you through each individual step of creating and growing a successful and sustainable business. And it really focuses on those things that I think a lot of people tend to skip over either because they think, oh yeah, well, of course I'm going to define my avatar. Yep, I'll do that. I'll make sure that I do that before I launch. But then, you know, they kind of never really sit down and give it the time and attention it needs to really have that big impact on your platform once you do launch. And so the fire path is really all about going through step by step guide, very actionable advice in the fire path that's 
going to not only talk about the importance of these steps in creating your business, but we're going to break it down and show you exactly how to do it. Yeah, like I said, I, I when I found it, I forget how many episodes were already going online and I just, I gobbled everyone up and then I was like, oh, when's the next one coming out? <laughs> really good stuff. You mentioned your book. Now, are you talking about The Fire Path or is there another book that I'm missing? Yes, absolutely. Dave, I just launched this past weekend. So I'm really excited to um, to have that in Amazon. And, you know, I'd love to offer it to your listeners for free. Anyone who's interested in checking out The Fire Path, we have a, a free download available for your listeners today. Awesome. Cool. And uh, we can find that where then? If you just go to eofire.com slash TFP for The Fire Path book, it'll be there waiting for you. There you go. Awesome. Well, Kate, thank you so much for uh, for taking the time out of your day out there in uh, sunny uh, San Diego. Uh, we're, we're freezing over here in Cleveland as always. <laughs> but uh, thank you so much for your time and keep up the great work. Dave, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And thank you to all your listeners who are out there tuning into this podcast. I appreciate it. So there's my interview with Kate, man. She is awesome. Really nice person. And here again, you hear about number one, the discipline the discipline of of not podcasting 24-7 when your studio is two feet away from you, the discipline of, of planning your next step, of constantly looking and listening to your audience. It's not happening by accident over there. And the big thing they have, if you listen to uh, John Lee Dumas was actually on the Audacity to Podcast, go to uh, the audacity to podcast.com slash 200. And um, congratulations to Daniel, by the way, on episode 200. And you'll hear how he is a guy that is always listening to his audience and realizes that he's got a lot of momentum going. And while it's going, he's going to continue to just push and run and hustle and work as hard as he can to make sure he's always delivering value. So thank you so much to Kate for uh, coming on the show. And again, I'll have links to everything she mentioned here at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 347. All right, we're going to talk a little bit here about story podcasts, and I'm not going to get too deep into it because you'll hear in a second I explain it, but I do want to explain how it can be used. My buddy Philip Keller from blindfaithlive.com, check it out, Real People, Real Miracles, has now gone to taking a recorder around with him everywhere because he's going to these healing services where people are literally standing up out of a wheelchair. And it's much easier to get that person's response from them rather than Phil tried to convey their feelings and their thoughts. Why not just stick a microphone in front of these people? So there, Philip has a great story and it's great to, to hear the ambiance and the actual interview than have Phil say, yeah, this person was really, really happy. So when there's a story, this is a cool way to do it. Uh, but I want to point out here, as I listened to, um, there there was um, these other ones. A new one just came out called Reply All. And I listened to the first couple episodes. And one of the stories was there was an app that doctors look at to share pictures of sick people. And my official answer to that one was, eh, all right, whatever. And I forget what the other one was. And I kind of went, Okay, yeah, these are, it's real, it's highly produced, but you have to have something, some sort of story, you have to, you have to go somewhere, and so I kind of spoofed this, 
as we get forward to the next segment here. There is a new style of podcast that it really isn't new, but uh, if you've ever heard of Serial or Startup, Radio Lab has been around for a while, but it's a storytelling kind of podcast and it often uses real sound effects. They're recorded on location, things like that. They're put on by people like NPR and This American Life and uh, I think it's WNYC out of New York. You know, a lot of us have thought, is this going to be the next wave? Are people going to start using storytelling? And um, I don't think so because, well, storytelling requires a story. Hence, my little mini episode of the podcast that I'm simply calling Dinner. It was Tuesday. I had had leftover pizza for breakfast and lunch. And now I was forced with the dilemma of dinner. What should I get for dinner? I'm uh, I'm getting in my car now. And what's interesting about my car, I got to put on my seatbelt, is uh, I'm driving a Prius now. And what's weird is when you start the car, it makes no noise. You ready? I'm going to start the car in three, two, one. Okay, it makes a little noise. It beeps. You notice there are no, there's no engine. So I'm going to turn on the lights, and as I put it in drive, finally, because it's cold outside, it's 36 degrees, it's uh, starting. And I should be walking to Target, but uh, I'm not. I'm going to drive the maybe two-tenths of a mile because it is 36 degrees outside. And so the question becomes... What should I have for dinner? Now, the problem is, at work today, (laughs) uh, they've started giving cookies away to our customers because, you know, I would go learn computer software from somebody else, but they don't give me cookies, and you guys do. This episode of Dinner is brought to you by the School of Podcasting. Check out their step-by-step tutorials by going to schoolofpodcasting.com. Use the coupon code LISTENER and you'll get a discount on your first month at schoolofpodcasting.com. Yeah, so the, the point is I've been trying to eat around 1,800 to 1,900 calories. If I do that, I seem to lose weight. Well, the bad news is I had two cookies and I've had two things of 220. I've had 40 ounces of Mountain Dew today. And so there's about 700 calories. And so consequently, I have no calories left for supper. Hence the dilemma of today. Because I'm not really hungry right now, but it's eight o'clock and I'm supposed to have some sort of dinner or so they say. I did some consulting earlier. And so I think what I'll do is I will go into Target and uh, I'm going to get uh, some sort of healthy choice, maybe some fruit. And when I say healthy choice, I don't mean like a healthy choice of food. I mean like the brand healthy choice. You know, those lovely frozen dinners that are supposed to be healthy, but they're filled with sugar and salt. But um, that's the plan. So I'm off to Target. Now the big decisions. Do I or do I not get a cart? Because of course if you get a cart, then you're more than likely going to buy stuff. 
the plastic carts haven't really, they're lighter, but they're really not a whole lot quieter. You can hear my cart. Isn't that exciting? It's real sound effects. So I'm in the dairy aisle, picking up some Chobani pineapple yogurt. I love Chobani pineapple yogurt. They have pumpkin yogurt. And pumpkin is cool and all, but that's that's kind of gross. Pumpkin yogurt? Yeah. And uh, I'm waiting to see. I, it's suspenseful as I go down the frozen aisle because is Target always has it. Chicken Mar... M-A-R-G-H-E-R-I-T-A. Margarita. And what I don't understand is Target always has this in the local grocery store called Giant Eagle. They have the hardest time keeping it in stock. And why is it that Target, a non-really, I mean, they kind of have food as an afterthought store, has chicken margarita from Healthy Choice, and Giant Eagle, a primary food store, does not? That's a good question. This question of Target versus a regular grocery store brings up an important question, which is, Why is every business trying to be the other business? Why does Giant Eagle, the food store, carry school supplies? And why does Target, a department store, now carry food? Next week on dinner, it's not just me that wants to eat this time. It's my wife and my stepson, and we all have different tastes. Next week on Dinner. And the fun part of that five minute and 48 clip, long way for a punchline. Obviously, if there's no story, no matter of music and sound effects, even though they're real, is going to save it. You got to have a story. And here's what I wanted to share with you because I, I kept track of this. That five minute and 48 second clip took me an hour. Because I I was literally looking for the best music. I was finding the dent-dent. I knew I had that sound effect somewhere. All these different sound effects I had to find and put in the right place. I had to... I recorded my entire trip to Target. Like at one point, I was trying to record what was on their walkie-talkie. I was standing next to a, an employee. I had a whole thing there about what was in Christmas sweaters. And I'm like, look, this is supposed to be a joke. Let's, uh, I, I, and as I listen, I'm like, this is still too long. But that is the point. Now, so do I think that's going to be the wave? It might be, but I don't know that they're going to be super duper produced or they're going to be from people who have a lot of money in the bank and can pay a lot of people to do all the editing and things of that nature. But uh, keep that in mind. If you're thinking like, hey, I could do that. I would do a lot, a lot of episodes, have like 40 in the can and then um, start launching them and do one every other week, something like that, because it takes a long time to put those things together. I know uh, if you listen to show 400, there's like a little, I don't know, four-minute segment on a a bunch of fake DJs I put together called Binky and the Wiz, and that little four-minute segment took me the better part of two days because I did all the voices. So all these highly produced podcasts are great to listen to, and that's kind of the the good news, bad news. It's great content. And we're getting people who have never listened to podcasts are now talking about podcasts. That's great. And they're kind of getting used to listening to stuff that sounds like, you know, highly produced radio shows. 
And that takes a little time. And so here again, do what you want to do. Focus on your audience, focus on your market. And don't worry so much about what other people are doing. And you create your stuff in your style because I'm not going to out serial serial. I'm not going to out, you know, startup startup. If I, I do stories, if you go over to building a better Dave at uh, betterdave.com, that's just me spewing things off the top of my head. And, uh, you know, that is me storytelling. Now, in some cases I have sound effects in some cases I don't, but that's just the storytelling. And that's another example of a podcast that every month I lose $7 a month because I, that show is more therapy for me than anything. It's just me spewing. It's, it's a stream of consciousness. And if people listen, they do. And if they don't, they don't. And uh, so you don't have to make money with your podcast, but you do have to start. I love that quote. Uh, you don't have to be great to start, but you do have to start to be great. And if you're looking to start a podcast, the place is schoolofpodcasting.com. Use the coupon code LISTENER, L-A-S-T-E-N-E-R, and that'll save you a chunk off that first month. If you don't have a website yet, send me an email with the phrase quick start. And what I can do is send you a link to hosting. You can order your hosting through my affiliate link. I earn a commission from that. Uh, you send me your welcome email. I set up your website, uh, the basics of it, and I give you a free month at the School of Podcasting. So you go, but Dave, I have a website. Then just use the coupon code LISTENER. It's my way of saying thanks for being a listener. It's my way of saying thank you for uh, contributing to the show. People like uh, Kate Erickson, again, find her over at eofire.com. Ken Blanchard from blanchardmedia.com. And, uh, and you, if you'd like to be on the show, I've said it over and over. You can say, because of my podcast, blank, or just share the last five podcasts that you listen to. Uh, you know, we've heard that. We've called it last five and five. And um, you can find all that over at schoolpodcasting.com slash contact. If you'd like to subscribe to the show and never miss another episode, go to schoolpodcasting.com slash subscribe. And lastly, live today, like right now like it's your last one, live tomorrow like it's your first, and don't ever let your problems bring out your worst. Don't ever take your mind off whatever is your goal. Be true to yourself and follow your soul. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you again real soon with another episode of the School of Podcasting's Morning Announcements. Until next week, class is dismissed. Take care and God bless.